Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. You can see the title of this message, like Rick said. Who's excited about today? <laughs> Woo, yeah! <laughs> if you're uncomfortable about the topic, join me in being uncomfortable. I have to talk about it from here with all of you looking at me, so that's going to be exciting and an adventure. I told God I didn't want life to be boring, and he said, hey, let's, let's talk about porn on Sunday morning. So here we go, right? Uh, my, my wife, Marilee, is going to join me. She'll, go, she'll talk for a little bit, um, kind of in the middle today. Um, I'm going to try to get done close to on time. We're starting a little late, and we'll try to move through things to get you to the donuts and the tasty stuff and the fellowship when we're done. Um, yeah, so here we go. We're talking about sex all this month. This was Pastor Cameron's idea, I swear. Um, but then it was my idea to talk about this one in particular, and we'll talk about why. Um, so I believe two, well, I was going to say a little disclaimer. If, um, if you have kids or teenagers here and you want to talk to them about this topic on your own timing rather than right now from me, um, you know, those kids can join the Sunday school class, hang out, help with the younger kids, and then you can loop back around and talk with them. That's totally cool. I'm not going to be offended. You're welcome to do that. Um, I'm not going to say anything real explicit other than the words sex and porn. Um, so you're pretty safe if they're staying in. All right? But now's your chance. Adults, if you're uncomfortable, now's your chance, right? <laughs> Go now. If you want to help with Sunday school. Hey, this is good recruiting right here. <laughs> All right. So two weeks ago, Cameron was here. And he talked about why God loves sex and the devil hates it, right? God designed this thing. He wasn't surprised when he was like, oh my gosh, they really like this. What did I do, right? God designed sex for our good and for our pleasure. And then last week, Aaron talked about what do you do with sexuality when you are not having sex? Um, when you are single, when you're you know, a teenager and you're not yet married, or maybe you're a widow or a widower. Or circumstances come up in your marriage where you're not able to do that together for a while. And he did a really great job. Both of them did. I'm thrilled that they built a foundation and I get to follow up on it. So what are some goals for today? <clears throat> we'll do some background info. Uh, we'll ease into it with that. And then why do people really look at this stuff? That's important for us to understand. What are some of the issues of the heart? And, and how do we overcome if we're struggling with this area? Or how do we help other people overcome? You know, and before we even really dig in, I just want to say that, you know, our heart as a church is to show people within these four walls and the people we see all week long what God is really like. You know, and we're not here to bring shame with this message because that's part of the power of, you know, a pornography addiction or a struggle with pornography is that it's shame, you know, people feel a lot of shame and it hides. And then the problem festers. So we're here to offer a way out, show you God's heart for you, God's love for you as a father. And uh, we're excited to bring that and bring hope uh, to those who need hope. You know, And if it doesn't apply to you today because you're not personally struggling with this, I hope you'll get it and become part of a church culture that is going to draw other people out of this problem you know, and into freedom, into a strong and deep relationship with the Lord Jesus. All right, so... Let's go. Why talk about porn in church? I've got three P's because that's very pastoral to do, right? Um, 
<laughs> Porn is prevalent, powerful, and a perversion of that good design that God has for sex. So let's talk about how prevalent this is in our day. All you got to do is look at the advertisements. If you've got a television set at home, you know that the advertisements are not what they were when we grew up. When I grew up, if you're older than me, when you grew up, it continues to change and it continues to be more and more graphic. What we see on a daily basis, just driving down the highway looking at a billboard. What used to be taboo and we didn't see, we see all the time now. Our culture has changed. So here's a bunch of statistics. We're just going to fly through them to try to prove to you what I think you already believe, that this is out there in our day. 12% of all Internet sites are pornography. 10 to $14 billion are spent on this industry every year. That's as much or more than we spend on foreign aid to help other countries. Crazy. 70% of men in our culture, ages 18 to 34, look at porn in a typical month. 70, not 17. 70. Holy cow, this is real. And we got to talk about it so that we can live free and we can help others learn to live free. Um, <clears throat> one in six women today struggle with a porn addiction. This is more than 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we see, as you look at the, some of the studies and research, it's a growing problem among women as well. It's not just the guys anymore. So this is scary. If you're a parent, 90% of children ages 8 to 16 have looked at porn. They've been introduced. Um, I wish that was not so. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, you can't hide your kids from this stuff. Like I said, it's on commercials. You watch a football game with a friend, and poof, what's going to pop up? Something that's really pornographic in nature. They don't call it that anymore, but I do. (laughs) So we've got to be prepared to parent our kids, you know, as a church to help parents bring their kids up in a world where they're going to run into this stuff. So porn is powerful in very negative ways. It's just oh, it's so dang evil, man. It grabs people and it doesn't let them go and it's just an awful thing in our day. It is a real problem. Um, some of the reasons that it's so powerful is the way that it actually changes a person's brain. Physiologically, there's chemical stuff going on in our heads, right? Dopamine is a chemical that gets released, you know, when you're excited, when you experience pleasure. And pornography plays with that chemical combo and does just awful things to the brain. I don't have time to get into it. You can research it. Um, But it actually changes your brain. It creates these pathways back. It's a lot like a drug addiction. It's a lot like heroin. Even, Even scientists say that. I'm not just making it up. So it's really powerful in a negative way because it strikes at the core of a marriage. You know, whether you're married now or or not, you know, it strikes at the core of your of your marriage. It breaks down trust. It breaks down intimacy. It breaks down the bond that God created sex to make. That strong two into one. It affects kids, whether you like it or not. If, if you regularly look at this stuff, it's going to change your attitudes and perspectives. You know, guys, your sons will pick up on that, and they're going to have certain things that they think, and they don't even know why, but it's because you passed it to them. How do you have a relationship with a teenage daughter who's becoming a woman if you're looking at this stuff? I want to love and hug and kiss my daughter when she's 17, 15, and not feel weird about it. You know, that's just one reason to live free from this stuff. And then worldwide, slavery and abuse is driven by this industry. And whether you pay a single red cent for a subscription to some kind of service or a magazine or not, 
if you click on an internet site that shows pornography, it legitimizes it and it funds it. And that money is used to drive a sex trade. It's putting people into slavery and bondage, literally. All right, moving on. So porn is a perversion. Cameron covered this, so I'm just going to kind of skip through it. The twisting of God's design, something that was created for our good and our pleasure has been turned against us. You know, it's meant to be a powerful experience to join two into one, like Cameron talked about. And instead, you know, Cameron said the verse, don't join yourself to a prostitute. And pornography is the same thing. Don't join yourself to an image, to a screen, to pixels on a screen, you know, and, and break down the bond that's supposed to be there between a husband and wife. You know, sexual gratification works like glue. Again, Cameron covered that. We'll, we'll just get through it. But it shapes a person. Over time, a habit in this area is going to shape a person. I've got this wonderful quote from C.S. Lewis that talks about that, but we're just going to skip over it and try to get to the really good stuff. Not that that's not good. I love me some C.S. Lewis. Tell you what, like a requirement, if I'm going to talk, I'm going to get a C.S. Lewis quote in there. All right, but what is porn really? You know, to me, it's a self-centered alternate reality. And it's a false comfort. Let's talk about each of those. So, this is consumerism at its worst, guys. Right? We're in a culture where Hey, I want to know what Mark's up to. I don't got to call him or go over to his house. I can go on Facebook and see what Mark's up to. You know, hey, I want a new tablet. I can go on Amazon, and if I'm an Amazon Prime member, it's going to show up at my door tomorrow. Right? We've got this kind of consumerism culture, and pornography strikes at that. At a moment's notice, at the click of a button, somebody can have whatever image they want. And if that image is boring, they can click and find something else. So it's this instant gratification and consumerism and a habit in this area or in other areas that are similar, given that instant gratification, turns you into a certain kind of person. And it's not a patient person, (laughs) right? It's a person who wants what they want and they want it now. I want to be pleased right now. I want to be entertained by Facebook right now. I want to look at something that will, you know, get me revved up sexually right now. Right? And, and it's a pick and choose thing. There is so much of this stuff. It's not like a car where you gotta save up money to get a new one, which I recently did. That took some time. You know, instead it's like, boom, I want something different. You got it. And that creates a certain kind of person over time. And then, <clears throat> it's an alternate reality, right? This isn't how the real world works. You know, and, in porn culture, you, they never say, hey, <coughs> I'm sick today. The website's down. You can't look at this. Or, you know what? I'm really tired. I've got a headache. I'm going to go to bed. Nope. It's still there. You can click on another site. You know? You know, they, they never seem to go out of town and shut down for the weekend. But real life is like that. You go over to Bullseye and it's closed. You don't get your groceries. You got to come back when they're open, right? Hopefully you don't knock on Israel and Jessica's door to get your groceries. Hopefully you come back when they're open. But that's how real world works. And that's how real relationships work, right? Porn demands nothing from the user. All you got to do is click and get whatever you want, keep moving on, whatever. There's no give back. A real relationship goes two ways, right? I don't just take from Marilee. I give back. I give a lot. And she has to give a lot. That's how marriage works. And you give more and more and you find this bonding. Um, But regular porn use breaks all of that down. You become a kind of person who doesn't give back, who wants what they want and they want it now. All right, let's not beat that dead horse. I think you got it. 
So porn is a false comfort. And even PBS says so. Can you believe it? On their website, pbs.org, there's an article about pornography use, and it says this. More often than perhaps assumed, people don't use it because it feels good, but because it makes them feel better. A subtle distinction. So what does that mean? It means people run to porn for comfort. That's that's what it means. It's not necessarily that the porn user is uh, has this way big sex drive overdrive that the rest of us don't have and they're an oddball. It's that they found this tool to fill a gap in their life. Right? To comfort them when they feel down. PBS is telling us this. And I'll tell you, it's happening on a spiritual level. Porn offers these false comfort messages that say, hey, life might be going bad right now, but guess what? We're still smiling at you. We're still here for you. You know, people might have rejected you today. Maybe you don't feel like you got a close friend in life right now. We're still here for you. You know, Maybe you feel like you had a bad day at work or you lost your job. You know, man, do I have what it takes? Do I measure up in life? The answer from them is always yes. And so these are these insidious, awful, false messages used to draw somebody in to comfort them. That has nothing to do with sex. It has to do with other holes in the soul, so to speak. You know what I mean? Is that making sense? I see some nods. That's good. Really, at its root, Porn use rejects the belief that God is good. And you maybe didn't think that coming in, or you might have not thought I was going to go there, but that's what I boil it down to, and here's why. If God is good, His reality is to be embraced. If God is really, really good, then the reality that I'm living before me today, despite if it's a great circumstance and I just won the lottery, or it's a bad circumstance and I've just been imprisoned for my faith, or I'm going to my death for my faith, there's some extremes for you, right? Either way, God is good, and I can embrace that reality before me because I know that He is good. Because even if this negative circumstance before me today ends in my death, guess what's on the other side of that? Eternal life with God who loves me. If I believe in Jesus, that's what I've got waiting for me. So no matter how bad it gets, no matter um, if I go to my death, and there have been martyrs in the faith, they're endless number. You know, we don't have a lot in our culture, but that's there. And you know what they experience when they die? Bliss. <laughs> you know, the presence of God. And so I can believe that God is good regardless of my circumstance. <clears throat> and I don't need to supplement my reality. I don't need to add to the reality that God's put before me or take away from it or run and hide from it. If God is good, His comfort is enough. Right? If God is good, when I do go through a tough time, God will comfort me and that will be enough. If I trust in His goodness, I can seek out His comfort and I can get through anything ultimately. It's not always easy. (laughs) There's no promise that it's easy to get good at finding God's comfort in a bad situation. But that's another reason we're in a community, right? New Day Community Church. We're there to help each other, point each other back to God, lift each other up, and we can be God's comfort to each other. If God is good, His reward waits on the other side. I said this already. You get it. So... Marilee has a few things to add. And I'm thrilled that she's willing to add in on this topic yeah. and bring her perspective. This is fun. Um, I'm so proud of Bill. I just want to say I, I'm just thankful that he's willing to talk about this. When he first had the idea, we were like, how can we talk about this on a Sunday morning? <laughs> and then as we got studying it and realizing, oh my gosh, this is just commonplace in our 
How can we not talk about it on a Sunday morning? It would be an injustice to not bring you guys something um, of hope and a way out. And he's got a lot of great um, tools if, if you are stuck in this or helping someone stuck in this to get out of it. But thank you for being willing to do that. It's because we love you guys that we're willing to go there. So what I want to talk about is comfort. This, this is crazy to me how important comfort is. It, it's, it's just been baffling my mind the last year. Comfort is vitally important to humankind. It's of utmost importance. So much so that Jesus said it would be better for him to leave his disciples so that the Father could send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that? Better than Jesus, flesh and blood right here, would be to have a Comforter inside of us? Wow, we must really need comfort, huh? And so his purpose, the Holy Spirit's purpose, is to live in Christians so we're never alone. So comfort is always available, and he also convicts us. But um, these things are so necessary, the comfort and all, being always there. It's so necessary because this once perfect world is now full of sin. And, and we were never meant to deal with pain, death, sickness, heartache. Those were never meant to be something we would endure. And because we have to endure it constantly in this world of sin, we need a constant comforter. And so I just want to say this morning, you know, he knows what you need and he knows how to meet your needs. He knows you. He knows how to satisfy you in the deepest places. He knows how to bring calm to your um, to your anxiety. He knows how to fulfill you and bring you the deepest joy. And um, see, when we're stressed out or, or um, we're upset or we're full of, despair or something we can go to God and he can love us and meet us in that place that we're in and he can meet our physical and emotional needs and so it looks like step one is go to God okay so I'm stressed I'm overwhelmed from my day I go to God God I'm feeling so stressed and overwhelmed everyone's asleep and I just want to watch a movie or just play games on my phone for a couple hours and just, like, try to, you know, decompress from my crazy day. But what is your comfort for me? As you can tell, this is a real example. And he said, <laughs> sleep. I was like, oh, okay, that's your comfort. He has practical things for us whenever we need. If you're sad, if you're depressed, you go to him, God, I'm sad, I'm depressed. I just receive your love and comfort. What comfort do you have for me? He might have a friend who's going to just come alongside of you and encourage you. He might, uh, it might be sex with your spouse. Um, there's so many things he can do to comfort us. Let's say you're just completely worn out. He might, and you go to him, he might like have like this really satisfying meal and use food to really just satisfy you in this deep place. Um, so we go wrong though when we miss that first step of going to God. That's where we go wrong when we go to the thing that He used to comfort us, where we go to food first, where we go to, um, pornography or sex or anything that He could use to comfort us. So this, the first time that this happened, 
was was with Eve in the garden. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, Eve was convinced. The, the devil had um, tempted her. She was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious. So she And she wanted the wisdom that it would offer. So she took and ate some of the fruit. She wanted the wisdom that it would offer. Is wisdom bad? No. It's a wonderful thing. But she saw a good thing in her own strength apart from God. So it became a bad thing. How different would it have been if Eve would have went to God and said... God, I really want to grow in wisdom. You're wise, you value wisdom, and I want to be like you, Father. Do you think he would have given her wisdom? What does James say? He gives it liberally to all who ask for it in faith. So she could have gone to him and um, and got that wisdom, but because she didn't, she... Um, was, you know, separation from God and everything. And what was the result for her? Shame. And likewise, shame will be the result of anyone seeking their own comfort through porn, too. So I want, I want to liken this unto an example of two game boards. There's two different game boards that I'm going to tell you about. One is God's game board. The other is the enemy's. The enemy's game is played by his rules, and his game looks like this. You are a pawn on that board, um, or the other board over here, but let's say you're a pawn on this board. It's dark, and this is the pornography game board, okay? It's dark there. It's full of shame. It's hidden. Um, there's hopelessness there. And the game, the the further you get... You just go deeper and deeper. Like you just spiral on the board. There's no like end. You just go deeper. There's no way out. And um, there's just despair. And, and you're disgusting. And no one can know. No one can know about this. Okay, that's what this, that's the enemy's rules. God's, however, his game board is in the light. It's not hidden. And that's one reason why we're talking about pornography this morning. Because we want to bring it into the light. That's God's way. Okay, so his game board is in the light. There's no shame there. The path on that game board leads to freedom and fullness, a fuller life. Um, the atmosphere in, in that game is um, hope, encouragement, love, healing, and true deep comfort from God. That's what that's like. And you can choose which board to play on. You don't have to stay over here if you're someone struggling. You come into the light. You step out into the light and you go to God and say, I need your comfort. You go to um, a trusted friend or mentor and you say, this is what I'm struggling with and I want to bring it into the light. I want to have freedom. Will you help me? Um, so... Um, lastly, I just want to kind of speak to the women for a minute. So if you're a woman struggling with lust or porn, the same issue is there for you. It's a need within you for comfort that you need. 
and um, God can provide that for you. And also for uh, women, if you have a spouse who is struggling, that is, um, you know, a very real thing. And what I want you to say to you this morning is um, that it's not because there's something wrong with you. Okay, and the and what and we want you to get this message to understand what the problem really is. It's the problem in the husband's heart or whoever's struggling with it. The problem is in in their heart, and there's a void in them. There's nothing wrong with you. It's not your fault. The enemy would love to draw you over into darkness too and cause you to hate yourself or your spouse, but that is not the way to go. God God has another way for you if if your spouse is struggling with this. God's way is one of forgiveness, healing, and love. The problem isn't you, though, is what I want you to know. Now, you being their spouse, God will often use you as his conduit of love and comfort for your spouse. But it's not your fault or your, the, you're not the root problem. So, good. That's what I wanted to say. Set. Thank you. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> let's move into some practical stuff. How to overcome or help somebody overcome in the area of Pornography and really a lot of the stuff we're talking about because again because it's a false comfort um, it's really similar when you look at alcohol abuse when you look at drug use when you look at running to chocolate for comfort you know if that becomes a habit and the very first thing you go to or your cell phone or you know it can be anything a no- novels you know it's very very similar and I think the path to overcome is um, similar. The consequences of those different avenues are very different, right? If I'm like a crazy chocolate eater, I might like, uh, you know, have a poor complexion and end up overweight or something. But if I use porn, it strikes at the core of my marriage. You know, it's different consequences, but we can overcome in the same way. So we got to start by covering our base and talking about what is the standard for success, and how God views that, what is the response of God to those who are struggling and in the midst of it, and then what are practical steps to move forward. So let's look at each of those three. So the standard for success in the area of pornography use, as well as everything in the Christian life, is perfection, right? Our standard is be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that could sound uh, awful at first, right? Oh my gosh, I can't do that. You're right. Thank you for realizing that. None of us can. It says in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you're not alone, whether it's pornography or somebody else. If it's pornography, hey, and you're 18 to 34 and you're a male, there's 70% of the culture are with you, right? So it's not to heap shame on us, but God's standard is not diminished, no matter how common the problem. His standard is still 100% perfection and holiness because He is holy. And one day He will make us completely holy in His presence forevermore with no turning back, no sin um, able to get its hook back into us. But in this life, He's made a way to forgive our sins of falling short of perfection. That is Jesus Christ. His death on the cross is a sacrifice for those sins. And then He's made a way through Jesus for us to enter into a deep, 
relationship with God our Father, Jesus Christ the Son and our Savior, and the Holy Spirit alive in us, the three parts God, that can actually empower us to live more perfect than you ever dreamed possible. So it is possible in this life to move toward that standard. Um, I'm not there yet. I'll let you know when I am. A week or two. Let me, let me get back to you. But in this area of pornography, Jesus said, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the standard is clear. And that's that. But if you take that standard as shame, you're on the wrong game board. And we, we hope that you will hear our hearts and the heart of God and move to the other way, which is really, how does God respond if you're there? You know, if you're feeling shame, if you're struggling with this, or if you're dealing with somebody who was, I encourage you to respond to that person who's struggling like Jesus responded to somebody who was struggling. And we're going to look at a story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And here's, here's what I took out of it. The response from Jesus was protection from shame, grace and mercy for her, and a call to live pure, free and pure. Right? So the standard is perfection, but he doesn't start there and beat her over the head with it. Hey, why'd you do this? He starts with protecting her. And we'll see this. We'll dig into it. Let's do it. <clears throat> so in John 8, um, the religious people of the day had this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. So they pick up their stones. This is what they did. They're going to bring her to Jesus, try to challenge him with a religious kind of academic type question. What do we do with her? But they're expecting that they're going to get to stone her to death for her sin. And let's see what happens. They keep on questioning Jesus. Jesus straightens up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So that's the order Jesus responds in, is the religious people, the judgmental people, the people who would heap shame on her and kill her. He sends them away. They ought to be ashamed of themselves for being that way, right? And he protects her from them. And I would say to you, if you're struggling in any area of sin, that Jesus' first response is to you is to protect you from shame. You know, when we as a church are not here to heap shame, if you're struggling in any area, instead we love you. We want to show you the Father's love because we believe that will transform your life and you can live free from the effects of sin. Sin hurts. It hurts us. It's no good. It's not the right way to live because it's not the way we are designed to live. But we get trapped there. And God wants to protect you from shame and show you a way out. He forgives her, right? He says, neither do I condemn you. There's forgiveness through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for all our sins, including this area. There's nothing you can do that God can't forgive you for. Jesus lived a perfect life. He offers a perfect sacrifice. His arm's not too short. He's not too weak to do that. And then at the end comes the call to that standard of perfection. Go and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. And I'll tell you, for years... When I was a young man growing up in the church, the only part of this section of Scripture that I latched onto was the end. Go and sin no more. I'd beat myself over the head with it, and I imagine God beating me over the head with it. You screwed up again. You screwed up again. Why'd you lose your temper? Why'd you go and do this? What, you know? 
wait a second, I had it all backwards, didn't I? That's not the heart of God. God loves you. He accepts you. He sent His only Son to die for you so that He could pardon your sin. He heaped the justice of God, doesn't let sin go unpunished, but you don't have to be punished. Jesus took that for you. So that is love. That is acceptance. That is amazing. And to receive that really, really empowered me to live a life free um, from sin and to move from one game board to another. In this area, in every area, you know, it applies all over the place. So let me keep moving here. So practical steps to get free from pornography and other stuff. Get to know God's goodness firsthand. Experience God's goodness in your life. Get to know God's comfort firsthand. And oops, click twice. Get started on a winning snowball. In this area particularly, in many areas, you build momentum as you start to overcome. We'll dig into each of these. So get to know God's goodness firsthand. I want to whet your appetite for God's goodness a little bit. I'm going to throw at you some quotes from Scripture that just demonstrate different areas of God's goodness. Forgiveness. In Psalms it says He's He's put our sins as far as the east is from the west away from us. That's far. You keep walking east, I'll keep walking west. We're not going to run into each other for a long, long time. So God's forgiveness is part of His goodness. Protection from shame we just talked about in the story with the woman. That is good. That is so good. Love. God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. Right? That is a powerful love. That's a, a radical love. Acceptance. And John says, to all who received Him, to those who called on His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So God accepts you. He wants to adopt you into His family. He doesn't cast you aside. He calls you in and He loves you. And Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So there's hope. These are all elements of God's goodness. And there's more. <clears throat> Get to know God's comfort firsthand. You can ask God and you can ponder with your own mind as well, how does He want to comfort you personally? You know? Make it a treasure hunt. Go find ways that God is providing comfort for you. And then in your prayer life, ask Him and He'll reveal to you ways. Um, so forgive me, I'm going over a little bit, but this is one of the best parts right here. Um, when I was seven, my dad died. And so here I am, a seven-year-old kid at a funeral for my dad. You know, And looking back on it, it was a very kind of confusing time. I don't really understand at that age what's going on. You know, my family was great to me. You know, they did everything they could for me. But I just remember being at the funeral and there's like all these people twice as tall as me kind of walking around, talking to each other and crying. And I was just kind of like confused by the whole thing. And so fast forward to the current day. <laughs> She'll make me cry if I see her cry. All right, so present day, I'm praying with Marilee one night before bed and... um we just prayed through that memory together, you know, and um, we asked God, you know, where are you at, God? I'm going to cry anyway. <laughs> and um, he said, he reminded me first, I remember in the memory, I could picture it, my second grade teacher came and showed up, and she didn't know anybody else, she didn't know my family, nothing. And it was, you know, the funeral was a couple towns away, it's like going from here to Three Rivers for the funeral, maybe a little farther. And um, <clears throat> But she showed up, and I remember in my memory, it was like, 
I turn around kind of from this confusing situation. I look back, and there she is sitting on this couch, and the window's behind her, and the light's shining in. You know, and it's kind of this angelic moment in the memory. And God said, I, I made a plan for your comfort. And um, that's transformational. <laughs> and My prayer is that you could each have that, you know, that, you know, in your toughest times, that you could bring those to God, whether it's in the past or the present, you know, or you run into something in the future, that God can offer you an experience of His comfort. <laughs> and um, so if I have a bad day or something goes wrong, where do you think I'm going to run for comfort now? You know, it's a no-brainer. His comfort offered to me in that moment of prayer with Marilee is so much better than anything else. You know? All right, move on. <laughs> Dog ears. God told me that He's comforted me throughout my whole life with the ears of Labradors. <laughs> right? This is maybe simpler. This is maybe less tear-filled, but it's very meaningful. I grew up with dogs at home, typically some kind of lab mix, and we have one now. I've just always loved cuddling up with the dog, and you just get those velvety lab ears. They're so soft, and you just rub them, and you just cuddle. And it does something for me, right? <laughs> it, it meets me on a deeper level than just, hey, there's the dog, you know, uh, throw him a bone. And so God said, hey, that was one of my ways I comforted you through a life that was in turmoil as a kid. You know, I lost my dad. I grew up under, you know, there are people with worse circumstances, but I had challenges, and that was one of those things. We always had a dog around. Um, and then God's been teaching me a lot about how my wife and kids are a comfort to me every day and how to receive that comfort as from Him. You know what I mean? So I come home, if it's been a tough day, and Marilee's doing something, and she comes over to the door and says, Hi, honey. Welcome home. And gives me a hug or a smile. I say, Thank you, God. You know, where before I might have said, Thank you, Marilee, or not even let it hit me at a deeper level. But now I say, Thank you, God. Every time I pet the dog's ears, I say, Thank you, God. Every time the kids crack me up and I was kind of stressed out by a tough day at work, I say, Thank you, God. And He's comforting me through those now because I my mind is lined up right for it. So get started on a winning snowball. When it comes to being trapped in a sin like pornography or others, um, you can create momentum in winning. In this area, it starts with a verse in 1 Corinthians. Flee sexual immorality. So I'd say to you this. Work on the heart issues. Find God's comfort. Learn to embrace His reality and believe that He's good. But flee. <laughs> Don't watch TV shows that have a lot of sexual content in them. You might need to change your magazine subscription. You might change the radio station you listen to on the way to and from work, depending on what the content of that stuff is. But create an environment around yourself that protects you from temptation until you're strong enough to withstand more. You know, and Maybe that's never. I don't know. But I know I do this. You know, My TV watching habits, um, all of my habits are different than they were 10 years ago or when I was in college or whatever. Things are different. I create an environment that doesn't subject me to this kind of temptation on purpose. 
And then in James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I would propose that as you flee sexual immorality, it actually turns around at some point. You reach a turning point where it will flee from you. Where you have run to God and maybe it chases you for a while, but eventually you meet God in ways like I described, receiving God's comfort. You meet God in a way that then you and He together turn around. I don't want to turn toward Maryland. You turn around and face that sin and it's going to run away. It's going to run away from you. And you actually start to uh, overcome. And I think that's a turning point. But in the meantime, Psalm teaches us that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. So, if you just screwed up, say you just looked at something you know you shouldn't have, don't think that you've got to shed a thousand tears before you can pray a prayer to God and wait for those thousand tears to be shed. That might take a week or a month. I would say instead, pray right in that moment. Say, God, I'm sorry. I know what I just did. I'm sorry. Will you protect me from shame? Will you forgive me? Will you empower me to receive comfort from you? To believe that you're good and embrace your reality so I don't do this next time? And you can do that earlier and earlier in the the slippery slope of temptation and sin. Eventually, you can catch it before you did it. Eventually, you can catch it as soon as that temptation first pops its head up. As soon as that billboard comes up on the highway or Facebook throws some ad at you that you never wanted to see, you nip that thing right in the bud, you know? And God is a part of that. So run to Him for comfort. Embrace His reality. And it gets easier. We can build positive pathways in our brain. That our brain gets used to running to God's comfort. Our brain gets used to turning to Him immediately um, in the situation. So thank you. I'm sorry I went way over. <laughs> Apologize to the Sunday school teacher when you pick up your kids. Um, <clears throat> but let's just close with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank You so much that You are good through and through. And God, I pray that You would help us to experience Your goodness and drive out any doubt in any little corner of our heart, any doubt of Your goodness, God. I pray You would enable us, God, to um, find Your comfort, experience Your comfort personally for ourselves, and experience Your goodness in a way that lets us embrace Your reality and live free, God, Live the way that You designed us and that You long for us in deep connection and relationship for you, with You. And God, I just pray that You would instill hope in those who struggle and help us as a church to instill hope in those who will come our way that struggle with this, this issue, God. And we pray that we would live free, that we would defy the odds that we talked about at the beginning of this talk today, that we'd be a church that lives in deep connection and relationship with You. In Jesus' name, Amen.